Okay, so you got a client now with great <laughs> margins, cool projects, and you decide to part ways. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to SKUcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs in the promotional products industry. SKUcast shines a light on our industry's best work, features maverick personalities, and discusses what's really involved in running a modern promotional products business. SKUcast is the official podcast of Common SKU. Yvonne Lingus-Zeman is the founder, CEO, and director of brand development at Monarch & Company, and Anna Wynn is the COO and account director. Monarch is a creative merchandising agency based in Chicago and Denver. Inspired to create Monarch & Company in 2009 at the age of 25, Yvonne has overseen their growth from a one-person company to a multi-million dollar distributorship. Chicago Business Journal named Yvonne to its Women of Influence list in 2018. Yvonne's friend Anna joined Monarch in 2016, helping the organization double overall revenue each year since she arrived. In 2017, Anna was recognized as a rising star by PPB Magazine. Also in 2018, PPB recognized Monarch and Company as one of the greatest companies to work for in the industry. I got to sit down with Anna and Yvonne to talk about several topics. We talked about defining a life and business you love, risk, working with a leadership coach, firing their biggest customer, and refining their identity and who they work with. We talked about their partnership, qualifying the right clients, and so much more. I told Anna and Yvonne after the podcast that I was so grateful to them for their transparency and willingness to share from both their successes and their failures. This episode is brought to you by CommonSkew, the effortless business management platform that powers you to process more orders and grow your business. To learn more or to start your free trial, visit commonskew.com. And now, my conversation with Yvonne and Anna. Yvonne, let's start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about your business journey, how you got your start, what led to Monarch today? Yes, I started in promotional products when I moved out to Denver. I am a Illinois native. I moved out to Denver in 2007, did not have a job. I bartended, but didn't have anything lined up. And I ended up finding a job on Craigslist for a distributorship in Colorado. And the position was for planning events. And so I started this company and the other side of what they did was promotional products. After a few months of being there, there was a position that was open on the promotional product side. There was a new client that came in and, and the demand was needed. And I went over to that side and haven't looked back. And what that kind of looked like was I was in Denver for a total of like nine or 10 months in 2007. Mm -hmm. I am a big city person to my core. And so when offered the opportunity to work for another small distributor, in Illinois, it was a no-brainer to move back. I'm the oldest of four girls, and my family was important to me, and so I, I felt really homesick, and I came back. I worked for a distributor in Illinois in the suburbs for um, another nine months or so, and then, you know, one day came home and told my parents, who I was living with at the time, I said, you know, I, you know I, I'm not having a bad day. I, I'm really unhappy. And in the house that I grew up in, it was, if you don't like it, fix it and don't complain about it. And so my dad said, why don't you start your own thing? And entrepreneurship was always um, interesting to me. And so I did within 24 hours. That night I got incorporated and I was actually talking with Anna on the phone that evening about, you know, what should I call it? And can I do this? And one of my favorite moments about 
getting started was the moment I jumped. I was sitting at my, my parents' house and on the phone with Anna, like I said, and I said, you know what, can I do this? And she's like, you know, if there's one thing I know about you, it's that you won't fail. And so I kind of held on to that and still hold on to it today. And when I started Monarch and, you know, I didn't have like family that were in the industry before. I kind of just found out about it when I moved to Denver. So yeah, I just started Monarch in 2009 and haven't looked back. Yvonne, I'm really curious about that emotional moment that happens when you kind of go through that decision-making process. Did you have clients that you thought, okay, well, I think I can retain this client or I think I can work with this client or did you start with a blank slate? What was the, what was the business background like? Was there anything that gave you some semblance of confidence? There was a lot of confidence in like the, uh, I didn't know. I didn't know how hard it was. I didn't know. I didn't have any clients. I didn't take any clients with me. I didn't think I even had the relationships to do that or even knew that was an option. You know, so me you're, just you're, being, you're leaping without a net, basically. Yeah. But in, in the, at the time, like, you know, I didn't think of it that way. I think about things now and, you know, the things that we want to build. And it's like, it is so much scarier now. <laughs> I have so much more to lose. Yes. Yeah. I heard an interview with uh, Howard Schultz of Starbucks and it was like a couple of years ago. And he said he was more scared now than he's ever been. And you look at the colossal success that they've had. Yeah. That's so true, right? That's so real. true. But I guess the, the takeaway there is you never quite realize that when you're taking those leaps, you know, what do you got to lose? Now let's make a connection for our listeners. You mentioned Anna's name. Tell us how you guys met. And she was an important part of this decision-making process as you decided to go out on your own. Why and how did you guys connect? We connected at the distributorship that I had mentioned when I lived in Denver. Anna had been there for a few months prior to me. And I'll kind of let her tell her side of the story because it's so interesting how we didn't realize what was happening at the time. But when I started, I looked at Anna as somebody that I had to conquer it was really the first job that I had. And she put her head down and got to work and was really hardworking at the company. I was inspired by that. Hmm. So when we met at the distributor in Denver, we actually, we shared an office together, like a physical space together. Okay. So there was no way that she could avoid me. <laughs> and I made it my quest. I was like, this person, you know, there, there's something I didn't, I don't know if I knew it at the time, but there's something that draws you to certain people. And I truly believe that the reason that I what brought me to Denver was to meet her because there was nothing else there for me. And it's the only thing that I actually left with. You know, we really bonded over the industry and our love for it. And, you know, at the time, I think we could probably both say that we thought we were just like running this distributorship and we didn't know what we were doing, which right. is actually kind of similar to what we're doing now. So <laughs> comes full circle. <laughs> Anna, how did you how did you get into the business? Yeah. Similar to Yvonne, I also replied to probably a, a, the same or similar Craigslist ad. We only got hired a few months apart. And I, I got hired for the position on the promotional product side and knew nothing about the industry, even after the interview, and immediately fell in love with it. I, I come from a fashion merchandising background, and I think mm -hmm. it brings a lot of the elements that I, that I really love from that to be able to do all day long. And so I loved the variety, and I loved you know the element of, of shopping and working with clients and solving problems. And so I met Yvonne there at that distributorship. You know, even though she was only there for about I think it was nine months, we remained close. And when I say close, she was the maid of honor in my wedding. So even though we were apart, you know, for the next 10 years, um, and still are we, you know, I, I still reside in Denver, and she's in Chicago, we had a big connection. And, and the connection was this industry, and our passion for it, and how we wanted to change it and be a really big part of it. 
So my specific journey is I, I ended up staying in Denver and I worked for a few different distributorships and I worked my way up, got to where I always wanted, I always thought I wanted to be in, in a higher up position in one of the distributorships. And I turned around and realized I wasn't, I wasn't having fun anymore. And mm. I realized mm. why was because I was, I was working for a distributor that said yes to everything. And I realized oh. that that doesn't resonate mm. with me. I, I really mm. wanted to stay, to stay focused in promotional products and not kind of expand out into some of the other areas. And so at that time, I decided I'm going to step outside of the industry and kind of see what that side's like, I think. And so I actually went to work for a client, which I think it's called going native. I'm not sure. But yeah, so I went to work for a client and then did that for a couple of years and then really, really missed this industry. And I, you'll hear me say it a lot. It's something that I'm so passionate about and, and really love. And when I made the decision to come back to the industry, I knew that it was going to be with Yvonne because she had been persistent about having me come on board through the years, which was very flattering. And I knew that it was not a move I was going to take unless I knew I was going to be in the industry long term. And so I remember having this big speech prepared when I called Yvonne and I, I knew that it was where I wanted to, the next step that I wanted to make was to join her team. And I had this big speech prepared and I, you know, I was like, Hey, I made the decision to come back to the industry. I want to work with you. And I was getting, you know, just gearing into the speech and she stopped me and she's like, yes, when do you want to start? So <laughs> <laughs> uh, how long was that? Two and a half years mm -hmm. ago? Okay. So thinking back to those, those two and a half years ago when you were sharing an office together, um, I, I love your branding, what you guys have done with the business and the message that you're conveying. Did you form a bond over some of the things you hated about the business and the fashion forward aspect? Were there, were there things that resonated with both of you that you found driving and compelling you forward to build something better? I think what bonded me to Anna was the intensity that we went through. It was almost this, we were in this survival mode when we were at this other distributorship and thank God, because we learned a lot. And so, yeah. you know, we bonded over getting it done. We bonded over figuring out how are we going to pull this fulfillment off, figuring right. out like, oh my God, we've lost a box. Let's go back to the dumpster and right. literally go in it <laughs> when it's pouring out inside of the to find it. I mean, that stuff like makes you so close. And Anna yeah. and I are extremely career driven. Right. And so when you have somebody with that same work ethic level yeah. of intensity as you and you put those people in a room with the same goal, crazy things will happen. Yeah, that's cool. So that previous experience in the business, how did it shape who you are today? Now, you probably decided along the way who you were going to be and who you were not based on your previous experience. So Yvonne, let's start with you. How did it shape who you are today? The one thing, so I don't believe that I can maybe necessarily produce a brighter product than somebody else. I think that Anna might feel that way. Anna's extremely passionate about what we do on a daily basis and is extremely good at it. For me, the reason that I started was because I didn't like what I saw at the first distributorship. I didn't like how they treated vendors. There were things that would happen where only certain vendors were allowed in. They didn't look at them as partners. You know, you kind of at that age follow the norm and, you know, just kind of taking note. I'm extremely opinionated. Don't really like authority. And you just kind of like watch and you observe. And at the second distributorship, I actually didn't like how they treated clients. They were extremely close with vendors and treated them very, very well. And I didn't like how they treated clients. And so I thought to myself, there's got to be a better way to do this. And from a personal experience, you know, my parents always said how big um, reputation was. And so I wanted to create something because I thought I, if I can just 
teach people and show people how they should be treated from an experience standpoint and how, you know, how a partnership can work with a vendor, then you and you put all of those people in a room and everyone's working towards the same goal, then that's where you get to unleash creativity. And so for me, you know, everything that I do um, is surrounded by those two words of unleashing creativity, and which isn't actually something that I discovered until earlier this year when Anna and I decided to bring on a leadership coach as a consultant for both of us. Mm. Um, and so just to be able to articulate that, um, it's really about the, the way in which we do business. Anna, how would you answer that question? How did it shape who you are today, your previous experience in the business? Yeah, absolutely. I remember actually the first question that I asked Yvonne about coming on board was if she saw herself expanding outside of the the realm and the focus of, of promotional products. And I know I mentioned that earlier. I have a I have a strong belief and it's something that I've kind of gathered together throughout the years of of, you know, are we going to focus on one thing and one or a couple things and do it really, really well? And I have a strong belief that you can be so successful if you if you narrow your focus and you're okay with saying no to some things that you aren't passionate about or don't don't want to head in that direction and you, and you focus in on the things that you really enjoy doing. And so luckily, Yvonne had the same vision and principle and, and we've actually used that as one of our guiding factors when we make decisions about if we're going to grow into other areas by really asking ourselves, is this something that we really want to grow and push ourselves in or is this too far outside of the scope of, of kind of who we want to be and where we're going? So I think really having the discipline to be a little bit more focused has really allowed us to succeed in a lot of areas over the past couple of years, even more so. Why did you decide to work with a leadership coach? Yeah. So that actually, I realized the question that you asked, I hadn't fully answered it with like how it kind of shaped us and kind of like the things that we're now interested in, Okay, which kind of brings up the, the leadership coach and why we decided to do that. And so when you start off in a business, I guess I, I can only speak for this industry, you are in intense survival mode, depending on, you know, if you have funding or how you kind of got into the business. And so when you work so hard to then be able to lift your head up and be able to look around and decide on what you get to do now. It, it brings up a lot of anxiety and it brings up a lot of like, oh my God, like what is my purpose? Like, why am I here? What's my role? Right. You know, we were stuck so much in the doing, you know, of just, you know, we'll just do it. And I, I started to kind of have a bit of, I guess, an identity crisis of like, you know, I founded this company and I've clearly done so well that I can, I have a team um, to be able to run certain aspects of the business. And we're not there yet, right? We're definitely growing. And so I thought to myself, like, I don't think I can do this on my own. I have the skill set, the leadership style of starting nothing to something. And I will say that one thing I, I do find comfort in within this industry is anyone thinking about getting into the industry. It's like, it clearly works. You know, we're not inventing like a new product. Like that to me is like a whole nother beast. So the problem that we're solving isn't promotional products. The problem that we're solving, in my opinion, is the relationship in which it's done. And so I just had like a moment of truth of, you know, I've gotten myself this far and I found such great people to do it with me. But now, you know, what's my next? Why am I here? And love, I'm obsessed with leadership. I think that to be an authentic leader is a very like mystical thing to me. Because when you start out, you like, quote, fake it till you make it. And you start to become that. And then it's just like, you can't fake it anymore. Yeah. You know, people, your employees right. can see you faking it. Your clients see you're faking it. And it's hard. Yeah. So the reason that we got a leadership coach was because, you know, I was like, I can't do this. And if I can't do this, you know, Anna also being on the leadership, like I can't teach her. 
So we put budget towards that because we thought in order for the company to be its best, both of us had to be our best. And we have come so far. I mean, when we talk about saying yes and no, which we like pride ourselves on now, Anna has made so many strides in, in that aspect. It's opened up a lot of opportunities for us. I'm intrigued by something. You both knew you needed to refine the type of clients that you worked with even when you started. However, when you start, you're basically hungry for any kind of business. You know, one of the most important aspects, maturing aspects of doing successful business is in this industry is knowing when to say no and when to say yes. You have recently refined the type of customer that you work with and you've been through a host of changes because of this attitude. Can you tell us a little bit about this recent experience that you've had trying to target and refine your work toward the right type of client? So in 2016, when Anna came on board, I felt that I started the company over. And I think that that happens to almost everybody who's been in business for a certain amount of time. Well, You're like, why wow, did you, why did you feel that? Sorry to interrupt, but why did you feel that way? Did that give you a, a fresh, did, did Anna's viewpoint and experience and skill and passion give you a new kind of lease on the business? Did it help infuse more energy to you personally? Yeah, I was, I mean, I was getting burnt out. Right. I'm an extreme extrovert and I've been working for at that time, six, six and a half years, basically by myself. Like I had a few employees and I didn't know what I was doing and it became really painful. And when Anna came on board, it was like, it was just like relief because not only did I get the gift of a great employee and like somebody who is working and going to be an owner as well, but also just like trust. So yeah. like I could hand something off to Anna. It was like no question. It didn't right. have to be how I did it. You know, it didn't have to be like all of these fears that you have when you hire somebody like out of college or something like that. It was just like take it and run with it. And at this point, a part of it was just like I didn't I kind of like stopped caring. Yeah. You know, I stopped like having to worry about the details and I was just tired. And so mm. Anna coming into the company, it gave me this like, okay, like belief of like, okay, if she believes in this. I have to believe in this because if I don't believe in this and as a founder, then I can't expect her to do that. And we've, we've been through like hard times with that. I mean, Anna is like taking a brunt of, you know, this, the psychological like pitfalls of an entrepreneur, I guess, you know, and you know, maybe I'm making it sound like worse than it is. Cause we have like a lot of fun and we've been through some hard stuff, but you know, in 2016, we, we had our heads down and we doubled the company. So when Anna came on board, the company was doing fine from like a revenue standpoint. But when you're not happy, everything else kind of falls apart. And so we're in debt. It was like maybe like just like 60 or 70, which depending on who's listening is like a big deal or not a big deal. Can you clarify? 60 yeah, so 60 or 70,000. 70, okay. Just in debt, like on a line of credit, like nothing crazy, right. but like you know, a little bit like maybe 20 grand in credit card debt. And we had clients though. You know, our clients loved us. Right. And so I was like, I just, I can't let this crumble. And it was just at that moment that, you know, came and said, I'm ready. And it was just like, okay, done. Let's do this. I want to, I want to see if we can do this. And here's where we're at. And I can't pay you what you require, but let's get creative about that. You know, let's like pay you on this type of schedule and here's how much debt we have. So I was extremely transparent because mm. I was like, my shit's going to be your shit now. Yeah. So I opened up the floodgates to all of that. And she took a huge risk, yeah. you know, working for at that time, a client it to, you know, I think I had like one employee at the time and it was just, it goes back to that original conversation she had. It was like options, you know, failure's not an option for you. I like believe in you. Right. Anna, uh, clarify again, maybe you've already stated it, but what was going on with you inside that you decided to take such a leap? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I 
I knew, you know, we, we'd been close for so many years and, you know, we had so many, so many conversations about struggles and successes, um, through the years. And, you know, I, I felt like, you know, through those years, I, I knew a lot about Monarch, right. I knew a lot about what had gone on in the years. And, you know, I knew a lot about the spark and the connection that Yvonne and I had when we got together and we tried to figure something out in the industry or in business or in friendship or in anything, you know, and, and I think that it was that same belief and maybe a little bit of naivety of <laughs> we're not going to fail. We're going to figure this out. And, you know, I, I knew that we were both two super talented people that weren't willing to give up. And so I just decided to jump headfirst in. And, you know, I, I think I mentioned before, but it's definitely been the best decision. And with the coach that we have so much professional and personal growth has happened from that. And so it was a lot of trust. I mean, she was also my best friend. And so finding out those details was a little bit shocking. But I, I just had faith that we could overcome it. And we did. Let's just chase this for a second and, and feel free to say, ah, Bobby, I don't want to answer that. Have you guys discovered some keys to a successful partnership? I mean, I realize technically you might not be partners, but you are in, in every aspect that can be. And that's a pretty broad question. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question and one that we are discovering every day. So Anna said two things to me when she came on board. She said, so Anna's brother had also started a company with his best friend. So she had some experience maybe mm. drawn and some words yeah. of wisdom. And so Anna came to me and said two words. She said, as long as we're fair and we're honest, I'm in. And so it's actually like our checklist. Yeah, so when good. things get tight, re, like there's friction between us. The first question I ask myself is, am I being fair? And a lot of the times the answer is no, I'm not being fair. The second thing is, am I being honest? And I will say that usually it's like brutal honesty. So the answer is like, yeah, I'm being honest, but maybe I'm not coming from the place that I should be coming from. And so I think that's one thing. And the second biggest thing, and I'll turn it over to Anna, is this thing that I've recently learned about assumptions. So when you are talking to somebody, you're creating this story and these assumptions in your head based on, you know, your experience of the world. When Anna would come to me, I, for the longest time, thought that she would ask me questions because she just wanted me to give her the answer, wanted me to to do that. And that's really stressful on one person to always have the answers. And what I didn't realize is I was making an assumption in that moment of assuming that Anna wanted the answer where (sighs) really Anna just wants an answer because she's really asking to collaborate. Yeah, that's good. That's really tactical. I love that. And how about you? Yeah. Well, that's yeah. our leadership coach. What a great piece yeah. of insight. So on the on the flip side of that, one thing that I've recently learned is that when Yvonne comes to me and has new ideas and is working to brainstorm with me, I sometimes hear as, you know, previously, so much of my experience has been an employee. I sometimes hear this is the way we're going to do it. And I'll jump five steps ahead. And so learning to how we've kind of how we've overcome that is through communication. So Yvonne will now come to me and, and say, I'm brainstorming or when I ask her questions, she'll say, do you want to brainstorm or are you looking for the answer? Yeah. And sometimes it's, I'm looking for the answer. I'm, I'm drowning here, you know, but a lot of times it's brainstorming. And so the communication has really helped us out. And, you know, even since we've hired the coach, there's been so much growth in, in our relationship and with our employees as well. And so, you know, I'd say the coach and, and really communication between us has been the two big pieces. And, you know, like Yvonne mentioned, the, the thing that I, I do have to draw on is that my brother and his best friend were in business together and their, their business actually failed during the financial crisis. And just remember the night before I was talking to Yvonne, I was talking to my brother and he just said to me, you know, Anna, if there's something that I learned about working with my best friends, as long as you are honest with each other, 
and set clear expectations. And most importantly, you're fair. There's no way you'll fail. I love the tactical aspect of what you're suggesting on, on as you communicate and talk about ideas, because this industry is nothing but brainstorming about ideas, whether it's for clients or for the direction of the business. I know Mark Graham and I will, he'll, he'll preface an email with, uh, hey, I'm just riffing here. Um, <laughs> And I love that because then it suddenly liberates you to riff with him and suddenly you're jamming on an idea and there's no commitment to anything yet. You just get blue sky thinking. Let's switch gears a little bit. You recently looked at about 57 accounts that were making up around 100,000 in revenue and you decided to trim that client base and focus in a new direction or to refine that client base. Yvonne, can you tell us about that experience? So what was the wake up call? The wake up call was we were exhausted and we couldn't understand why we were exhausted, but we loved what we did. And right. so I was just, you know, curious. I always log into like our finance system and start putting together like weird reports. So I'm curious about how things are correlated and I just like to know the inner workings. And so I started looking at our client list and I don't think at the time I thought these people have to go until I thought, who are the clients that we enjoy working with? This wasn't like, I'm going to sit down and figure this out. It was just like, I'm just curious, who are we working with? How much are we making? What's going on? And I think actually, now that I think about it, I think that stemmed from, I love to bring in leads. So when we talk about hunting and and farming and things like that, I I love to hunt. And I love to hunt and pass it off. And I wasn't able to do that. And I couldn't understand why. I'm like, oh, my God, like, I have to be able to do this sometime in this lifetime. Otherwise, I'm going to die. And I was like, I got to figure this out. So I looked at like, who's in our who's in our portfolio. And so I started looking at just the numbers. And I thought, wow, like, there's a lot of accounts here. And then I was like, what does all this mean from just a revenue? I didn't even think about profitability at the time. Just from a revenue perspective, which I understand those numbers are extremely different. And now I'm very much more interested in profitability. But I just thought like, wow, there's a lot of accounts here. How much business is this? Yeah. And I was like, this is not even enough to say support a person. Something has to change. Yeah. And at the time we had hired, I think Rachel was coming on board and we had a, a team meeting. So we, again, are transparent. All of our employees sit down on our strategic meetings. I guess at, at one point, as soon as I saw the numbers of 57 accounts, making up $100,000 that something has to change, they have to go. But that was just an idea. And I didn't understand how they were going to go. Right. Not, and I just thought, gosh, like, you know who these clients would be better suited for? Somebody who's just starting out. Yeah. Somebody who's like hungry to like learn and, and service these people to the same level that we want to service them. And then I thought, gosh, it's like, I don't think we can service these people to the level of our that we want to. Right. And that to me is a huge problem. And so the how of it kind of came from a team effort. Did it take a little convincing inside? No. Mm-mm. Okay. I just, when I think that for me, anytime an employee is struggling, I'm just like, I'm done. I don't, I, I think my, the way my parents raised us, it was like a small little gang. And like, if somebody's drowning, like you will sacrifice for them, period. Yeah. I also, again, with that like hunter mentality, I was like, I can make this up. I can make up a hundred grand. Totally. And I want to do that. So I know I'm kind of all over the board, but. No, no, no. um, I want want to interject something that is insightful leadership to be that sensitive, to know what that burden is not only doing to you, but what it's doing downstream to your team is sensitive and so critically important because bandwidth in this industry, it's very difficult to scale for a lot of businesses. And for you to actually be sort of emotionally sensitive to what that was doing as a burden, not just to you, to the team is, is critical. 
Yeah. And you know where I think that comes from? I think that comes from, I did it so long on my own and I thought to myself, if I have to do this on my own, I'm not going to do this anymore. And that's like a really powerful thing to say when you like what you do. Anna, were you involved in this process? Yeah, absolutely. We, you know, we had, we had a company-wide meeting about it. And, you know, when Yvonne first had the realization, I mean, it's, it's pretty shocking to realize that that many of your clients (laughs) make up such a small, you know, a a smaller portion of the revenue, you know, and, and starting to realize where your resources are going. And then, you know, I remember when we were discussing and we had made the decision, I thought I was going to feel scared. And I felt, I felt so much relief to know not only that they were going to be taken care of in a better way, because we actually set up a referral program with a, a former employee of Monarch. So, Good. so yeah, some, uh, exactly like Yvonne had mentioned, some, someone uh, left Monarch and was inspired to go on and start their own distributorship. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we knew that they were going to be in good hands and that they were going to be handled and cared for in a, in a very similar way, if, you know, if not better than we were able to. And so we, we had the comfort of um, setting up that referral program. And, you know, it, it so happened too that a lot of the clients had worked with this previous employee before. So it ended up being a nice oh, transition. Great. But but yeah, I remember thinking that I, this is, I, I'm really scared. I'm really scared. And when, when we made the decision, I felt a lot of relief and clarity and yeah. a clarity around how we are going to move forward. And, you know, what's interesting when you, when you get rid of 57 clients, it's really scary and you don't know kind of what's going to yeah. happen next. And what did happen next was that we were able to continue to grow with our clients and continue on our growth trajectory of almost doubling every year. So, well, you know um, what else I just realized too yes, is... Yes. When you talk about 57 accounts, some people don't even have that many accounts. So if you think about that, we were actually able to let that go. I think that at the same time, we realized how can we make sure this doesn't happen again? Mm -hmm. Mm, And that's kind of what led to what does that process look like? Through that process, you must have refined the type of client you serve best. What criteria did you come up for that for you? Rachel, who I mentioned before when she was in that meeting, she said, you know, why don't we do intake calls? And I was like, yeah, duh, why don't we do intake calls? Thank you, Rachel, for having like the best idea. And so we started thinking, okay, what does that look like? And we've done intake calls for projects. People do it all the time, right? You get on the phone, you get like the project basics down, you maybe get a little bit of background in the event in order to provide ideas. But we were, what we were talking about was qualifying a client. And that was a whole new ocean because now we were saying, we will or will not work with you. In order to qualify quickly, we came up with some qualifiers of things to listen for. And so we work mm-hmm. with two different types of clients, agencies and corporations with about 200 employees or more. Okay. And we thought about what are all of the red flags that we've heard throughout the years with agencies specifically. And so we have some of those red flags written down. One is because you don't have direct access to the client. A lot of times with agencies, the agency culture really needs to be inspected because that will trickle down to you. So the client may be a great client, but if the agency itself is fear-based, which we see a lot, agencies are pretty cutthroat, you will feel that as a distributor. And then in turn, your suppliers will feel that. And if you go back to the original reason of why we started, it was to protect that relationship. And so if somebody's not enthusiastic about their job when they're at an agency, or if they say, hey, I just need 100 duffel bags, and they don't want to get on the phone with you to tell you why, those are people that we kind of say, you know what, here's a few resources. Yeah, we kind of go on our way. 
What's the right call? I did this too with stores and mm-hmm. you could, you actually could get to where you could qualify within minutes. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of hard to believe, but once you do it enough times, you can listen for those red flags. What were the good things you listened for? So we listen and we look at when they bring us in. So if they bring us in when they have a list of products that they want, it might not be a good fit. If they send us an Excel sheet with the list of products they want and they've already pre-filled in. That's definitely not a good fit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) where We say, you know what? We actually don't do bids. I can already tell you're going to be more expensive. And then we Mm. always provide a solution. So when we say no, we also give them a resource. And so that would be one. So we like to be brought in at the planning stages. And yeah. to you know, unleash that creativity with them. If they will honestly take the time to talk to you in general, that's a huge qualifier. A lot of people, you know, especially now in today's world, people don't have time or yeah. they think they don't have time. So that's a big one because it's just a direct relationship of how they treat their partners. That's good. So really, if they're in the ideation phase, that's a great signal for you that this could be a good partnership. That makes perfect sense to me. And I love your criteria for the corporations, 200 employees or more. Mm-hmm. Also, there's another interesting story as we were talking. You recently parted ways with your largest customer. That had to be a very big decision. Why? It was a very big decision and it was a very long decision. I think that we had to do it the way that we did it in regards to length of time. A lot of people say, you know, hire slow, fire fast. I think mm-hmm. that we really wanted to be able to walk away from the situation and look back and say, we did everything that we can. Yeah. And then we had checkpoints after every project we would ask, did we, have we done everything that we can think of? And finally there was, yeah, I think we've done everything we've, we can do. And then it was like, okay, how is this going to happen? But by the way, before you get into the how, was this a margin versus activity? Were you, were you, were the margins suspect and the activity was too <laughs> no. Actually, funny thing, we tried to do that. We tried to out, you know, just increase prices. And we did every time to the point where it was like almost unethical for how much money we were making. And it was, they just wouldn't, they wouldn't go. Yeah. And what was interesting too, is that we, (laughs) that our, all of our employees loved the work that we were doing. It was, it was work that pushed us in a way that we, that we wanted to be pushed mm. and the projects were high profile and the, uh, you know, it was almost after we'd complete each project, we'd forget about all the hardship because we had this awesome project that we, you know, we were able to yeah. conquer together. So that was part of the long process. Right. Okay. So you got a client now with great <laughs> margins, cool projects, and you decided to part ways. <laughs> yeah. I have never yelled at a client before. And I remember one time I did and I was like, God, this is not who I am. It was just like, we just wanted to, we wanted to like teach them, like, here's how you work with suppliers and here's how you work with your client. But we forgot about this big missing part that we have no control over, which is their culture. Oh, so good. That was really the friction is that you had this cultural clash going on. And I'm assuming making assumptions here. So you had uh, unnecessary tension probably uh, around all of these projects. Yeah. And the, the emotional burden on your team was intense. Yeah, definitely. And I think what we realized through the projects and when we, we had a conversation with them after the first year that things needed to change and things needed to be different. And so we laid the groundwork about, you know, maybe a year before and then gave it another test run. Because again, we love the, <laughs> we love the projects and, and the margins were there and it was pushing us where it needed to. And we wanted to see if we could make the relationship work, but at the end of the day, as Yvonne mentioned before, it, it it seemed as though it was a fear-based culture, which we can feel that stress, right, as distributors. And so yeah. what would happen is that it would put 
every time the project came through, it resulted in five straight nights of staying up till three in the morning. And mm. it resulted in, you know, us needing to change quantities halfway through production with our suppliers. And what made the final decision for us was that if we have to compromise our relationships with our suppliers and our employees, yeah. it's not worth it. It's just not. Yeah. I'm proud of you guys. Can I say that? Can I say I'm so <laughs> yeah. proud of you guys for, for, for doing that because it's such a huge risk. Was it keeping you up at night or you knew it was just a matter of time? I mean, how nauseating was this decision? I, th I think that it felt that way. And then I started thinking about the numbers. And so I pulled um, how much profit do they bring in? I don't care about right. the revenue. I just want to know how much cash are they pumping into the business? And then I looked at that number and I was like, I can sell that. And again, it's that like that <laughs> mindset of like, I've started yeah. from nothing. I can do this again. And the right. other thing is my, my dad had told me I had a large agency client when I first started out. They, I think they like kind of started working with me after like six months of business, six months in business. And at one point there were 80% of the client portfolio. And my dad said, you know, you just got to be careful because that yeah. can go away at any moment and you have to think about how that's going to impact you. So I immediately started diversifying. And so while it was our largest client, and I can't speak for Anna, but I haven't felt it financially. Yeah. Well, kudos. What a, what a great story. I, I come from um, the business mindset that took any business and took any attitude uh, was given to you. However, th what that did was that just wears you down mm -hmm. faster. And uh, you want to thrive in this business. You don't want to just survive. You want to thrive in this business. And that's how you stay in it as a career is that you end up working with the kinds of clients and the projects you love who respect you and respect what you do. It's such a big deal. So this decision with this big client was obviously a cultural decision, but it was a values-based decision. Like their values were different than your values. Mm -hmm. Can you sum up your values? Yeah. We hadn't been able to do that. When you say sum up, sum them up, we haven't been able to do that since earlier this year when we started working with Aaron, who is our leadership coach. And so yeah. our values, and I don't know if this is going to really resonate with anybody, but our values are we own the result, which means we try first, we pull our own weight, we do the work and we show up prepared and we follow through. We collaborate by giving and receiving open feedback. Um, we expect others to participate and we seek a diversity of ideas to deliver optimal results. We row in the same direction, which at the end of the day just means check your ego at the door. And then we are fearless, which means that you do take the next hard step. You can make a mistake and learn and adapt. And the next one can speak up. So we see and speak up for each other. And there's a list of things that we roll out. Like, you know, we speak up for resources, we speak up for processes. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, if you see something, say something. And then to round all of those out, we believe in personal greatness and you're responsible for bringing your best self to work. And so we have things like an open pay time off policy so that people can come and go as they would like. And when we first rolled that out, one of the things that we read was that people will take less time when you do something like that. They maybe don't want to come off as being lazy or they're not dedicated. And so we require um, a certain amount of vacation every six months that they have to take. And then anything outside of that is at your, at your discretion. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that you've codified those values that way. Anna, what do you love the most about this business? Yeah. <laughs> I love this business. And I, I think that probably comes through. I love the, as Yvonne says, you know, we work to unleash creativity. And I think that's everywhere in this business. It's, it's apparent in the products, the decoration methods, the relationships with suppliers, the problem solving, the crazy problem solving that must happen along the way. You know, I think 
in recent years, what I've really grown to love about the industry, because I've been through it for about 10 years. And, you know, now I've been really working on, on growing and managing and raising a team with Yvonne. And what I've really loved recently is being able to see the industry through our employees' eyes. And so seeing, you know, them get excited about the things that, that we, me and Yvonne used to sit across from in an office you know, 11 years ago, when we, we were able to figure out a problem and seeing that growth happen. And, you know, watching one of our team members work so hard on pitching something and being so attached to it, and the client picks it. And seeing that level of excitement, I just think it's such a cool thing. And it's, you know, it's so unique to to what we do that we're, you know, that we're able to unleash that creativity every day and in everything we do. So more recently, it's really seeing it through our employees eyes has, has filled me up so much. What do you dislike about the business? Most recently, a, a change that has been happening more and more is that larger companies and just to throw out more specifics would be, you know, let's say a product based companies have started acquiring other smaller companies. So for instance, maybe a large product company has now taken on an apparel company. And so now they offer everything under the sun product wise. And now they're all of a sudden offering apparel and hats and things like that. And from a distributor standpoint, that becomes confusing to me, you know, because I'm not sure exactly what they specialize in. And then in turn, that I've kind of seen that show through in both the level of understanding that the the reps have of the product line. And then also in turn, the customer service is something that I, you know, I've seen falter because of it. And, you know, and understandably so, because, you know, there's so much. And so, you know, I'd be curious to know, you know, through those transition, how they're helping their employees during these changes to make sure that they're set up for success. And for instance, on the flip side of that, you know, I, I would say, you know, both Numo and Chameleon are two companies that we that are really focused on what we what they do. And, you know, they're expanding right. wildly, but you could definitely tell somebody in one sentence what both of them do. And that's, you right. know, super apparent when you go to trade shows and work with the team members who work there, you can hear the passion in their voice and the clarity right. in what right. they're doing. Absolutely. Having been in both of their facilities and spent considerable amount of time with them, um, I can tell you that is absolutely the truth. What passion, what ideas come forth from those brands are just spectacular. Yvonne, let's start with what do you dislike about the business and then we'll move to loss. That's an easy one. So I have a very (laughs) negative reaction to the conversation of price. And there's mm-hmm. so many dimensions to that conversation. Price, price from the cut for, to the customer or to the suppliers. So which, both. Which, so which okay. so it's everywhere. And so what I've noticed right. is sometimes we'll have vendors come in and we'll talk to them, and they will just ask us like, "Do you need EQP?" And also like, "What do you buy the most? So I get you better pricing on that." And what I'm actually really interested right. is I want to know you. And so I can yeah. purchase from a live choice. Whether you have, let's just use t-shirts, for example, the same t-shirt as somebody else, the difference for us isn't the price because we don't give discounts to our clients. So I really find value in the outside sales rep sitting down and talking about about strategy. And somebody that's been really, really impactful in my life from the industry perspective is Fred Hickman from Samar. He has spent a lot of time with me not talking about product. And he has made an impact on our business and the way that we think and mm-hmm. what's possible and questions to ask. By the way, I have to interject something that you treating your supplier partners like business partners is so evident in that statement you just made, as opposed to treating them just like a resource. These are business people that have an incredible amount of experience working within the industry that if you open up your heart and mind, you can learn a lot. Mm-hmm. 
I think it would Go be ahead, cool sorry. as a supplier partner to come in and walk away with the feeling of, I really made a difference in that person's business as opposed yeah. to like, I yeah. also just like sold like all of this stuff, which we have to do to survive. Right. Let's be real. We have actually like a structure of how we deal with clients when they ask for discounts. I think that if everybody can kind of like rally around that, the industry will be better off for it. When you say you have a structure, you mean you have a response mm-hmm. that's ready to tackle that objection? Yeah. Like what? So everyone on our team knows that they cannot give discounts or preferred pricing unless they have a conversation with the client, which means that the client has to get on the phone and we have to understand why they're asking for the discount. So if mm-hmm. there is a client who is a current client and who has a track record of being uh, of not being in this up of some price and they tell us, you know, there's just one event I have to pull this off. I'm kind of in a tight spot. And here's like the background. And here's why the budget is, you know, this price for this event. If they will bring us in on that, then we'll say, okay, yeah, we'll see what we can do. And we'll say in in a way of saying, we're going to go back to our partners and we're going to let them know the situation. And we're going to kind of get, get together and figure out what we can do together. What we don't do is we don't say, okay, yeah, we'll give you a discount right on the spot. Because what that does, I think it trains clients to think, one, all I have to do is ask. And two, I would think as a client, I would say, why don't you just give me your best price up front? Why are you playing this game? You know, just tell me what, yeah. t- tell me what the price is. So the structure, I mean, there is a little more like formal, but that's kind of it in a nutshell. What do you love about the business? So I love that we get to, again, I love the business part of it. I love being able to use and impact suppliers companies. So when we get a project, we get to choose the supplier we get to work with. And we've been able to really impact a lot of small businesses, which to me is just like near and dear to my heart. And so I just, I really like the, the freedom to choose. And I also love that there's so many different ways to skin a cat. You can do so many different things in this industry. And I think it's really unique that we get to pick who we are in that space. And there's so many options. I don't know off the top yeah. of my head, not a lot of other industries that are like that. I love that. This has been a very insightful conversation, full of lots of tactical wisdom. And I I can't tell you how much I appreciate you guys being willing to share so much of your experience with the audience because there are too many people in the business. It's changing, but there have been too many people historically that have held on to the the hard lessons they've learned. And uh, that'll come back to you tenfold. Thank you guys for being on the program. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of SKUcast. Be sure to keep up with our latest content by subscribing to SKUcast on iTunes or to our blog at community.commonskew.com. Until next time, friends, thanks so much for listening. 